We are in a series called The Organic Life. And what we're talking about is this idea that when you give your life fully over to Jesus, when you, I'm talking fully, when you believe the Bible in a sense that you own it, that you say, I don't maybe agree with everything it says. Like, in other words, I don't like what it says about how I'm supposed to uh, make my, submit to other people and to have a non-anxious life. You might, might get all that. But you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. There are certain things that happen to you. There are certain, what we call, what the Bible calls, fruit that takes place. And I've listed them out. And we've talked about them. And uh, what we said in the beginning of the series is that if you see this list and there's something specific that you would like more of that in your life, maybe it's peace, maybe it's patience, maybe it's kindness, right? And if you want that, just keep special attention. And all those sermons that we've covered on all these things, this morning we're going to be talking about faithfulness. All those sermons are up online. They're on the app. You can look at them at any time. Go back, review them, share them, whatever. That's the whole point. But to give you some insight onto what happens when I, when I do a sermon, I'm a total Bible geek, okay? I like the historical stuff. I like contextual criticism. I like the Greek. I like the Hebrew. I like all of it. I don't spend too much time talking about it, but I'm just admitting to you I'm a Bible geek. And so what Bible geeks do is they go to this stuff and they first start off with what they think the word means and they think what the context means. And so when I saw faithfulness, I thought, oh, I know what that means. It means steadfastness. It means no matter what, you keep grinding it out. Faithfulness, right? Or you might think of something like your dog is faithful. No matter what happens, you open the door, your dog is very happy to see you. When I think of cats, I don't think of faithfulness. That's a whole nother works of the flesh thing that we'll work on later. But this is uh, a movement of the spirit, which is dogs, okay? So um, faithfulness, you think of your dog. You think of maybe if you're in a marriage, you think of your spouse being faithful, you being faithful, right? If maybe if you are in management, you think of a faithful employee. They show up on time. They do all, all right. So I started out with that. But then I went to the original language, which in this case was Greek, and the word is not faithfulness. I don't know why they did that. Maybe because gentleness and goodness were before and they needed an S. I don't know. But the Greek word for faithfulness is just faith. That the fruit of the Spirit is faith. And you say, you might, at least I did. Well, isn't faith kind of something you, you muster up? Like, that's not like a fruit of the Spirit, faith. It's like I either have faith or I don't have faith. But the Greek word is pistis, okay? And don't giggle at that. You guys are so immature. I wasn't just mad. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so it's faith. It's faith. And so when you look at it, you have to look at it in terms of, you mean to tell me, that if I keep in step with the Spirit, if I allow the Spirit of God to control my life, if I make my decisions based on what the Word of God says, that the fruit will actually be faith? That that's not something I have to muster up and just grind through? That is exactly what I'm telling you this morning. And we're going to look at this morning, and again, once I saw it was faith, 
I'm like, I can't do this in one sermon, which I can't. So I'm just going to kind of cover up as much as I can. But this really could be its own series, just, just the word faith, because it's all through the Bible, as you know. As a matter of fact, I like looking at the steps of Jesus, right? I like to see where he went, what he did, how he handled things, or whatever. But uh, I think it was Rick Warren. I don't know. I steal most of my stuff from smart pastors. But I think it was Rick Warren that said, I'm not so interested in the steps of Jesus as the stops of Jesus. And faith was something that would stop Jesus in his tracks, there was one time a centurion guard, so understand this just from a political standpoint. Israel was, was occupied when Jesus got there by the Romans, okay? So politically, it wasn't going well at all, okay? So Jesus was in basically his country that was occupied by another country. And so this centurion guard comes up and says to Jesus, hey, can you heal my servant? And Jesus is like, yeah, I'll, I'll go heal him. Where, where do you live? And the, servant, uh, the centurion says, ah, you don't have to come to my house. I understand the way it goes. You're a person. You have authority. You just say it, and it'll be done. And Jesus stops. And he goes, you guys, hey, this centurion has got faith, right? One time, Jesus was in the temple, and um, there was a, uh, everyone was giving money, and they'd make it sound like they, because, you know, they had coins back then, right? And so when they'd dump in their tithe, they'd like pour it in so it would make a lot of noise so that they would draw attention. And uh, one time this widow came, and she just had basically two pennies, and she put them in there, and Jesus stops, and he gets the disciples, say, come here, you guys, come here, come here, come here, you got to check this out. See that lady right there, the one walking out right there, right? She gave more than everybody because they gave out of their abundance. But she faithfully, through faith, gave everything she had. One time Jesus was walking along and a synagogue official says, hey, can you come heal my daughter? And this was a big thing for Jesus. If he, I mean, this is Instagram worthy. If he does this, he's posting, it's going to go viral. Like you heal somebody, it's a great, it's a big thing for his ministry. And he's going along and this lady who has a, a disorder, she reaches out through the crowd. She was technically unclean according to the laws of those days. And she reaches out and she says, if I could just touch his garment, I'm going to be healed. And she did. And he stops. I'm interested in the stops of Jesus. And she, he says, literally, like the power went out from me. That's faith. That is the act of faith. And she, he, basically, the Bible says she told him her whole story. He stops and he listens because he's interested in faith. You can read all along the scriptures. Your faith has made your will. Your faith, faith, faith. It's all over the place. The fruit of the Spirit is faith. This comes through faith. As a matter of fact, we'll skip a couple verses here, but it says in uh, Galatians 5.25, Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And that is a challenge to your faith. If you've ever tried to keep in step with the Spirit, sometimes doesn't he go too fast? Like you're like, I'm not ready for that yet. Right? Michelle, Pastor Michelle comes up to you and says, we need you in children's ministry. And you go, slow down, Pastor Michelle. You slow down. You don't know my history. And Pastor Michelle, of course, she's good at what she does. She says, I don't care. 
Okay, right? So he's going too fast. Sometimes it's going too slow. I want to get married. I want to get married. I want to, I got to get married. I, got to get, I can't get, live my whole life single. I can't do that. And you're, you're like, hey, Holy Spirit, let's go. Come on. Swipe right. Let's go. Come on. Let's get it. Let's find it. Let's find out who, who it is that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Like, come on. Let's get going. And the Holy Spirit says, shh, stop. Slow down. Be patient. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's your kids. You're like, <laughs> Right? And your Holy Spirit is saying, nope, this is the way it's going to go down right now. It is hard to keep in step with the Spirit. At least for me. Maybe you guys got it all handled. But for me, it's hard. And so we keep in step with the Spirit. So we're going to look at faith, uh, what, how I define it and how the Bible defines it. Uh, not that I'm going against the Bible. It's the same thing. But I just, the way I do it, I think for me, like really applies. And here's what I have. Faith is centering our lives in who God is and what he says. To me, that's faith. And so I will make decisions based on who God is. Again, we don't really talk about money that much at church, but for me, there was a pivotal time in my life where I was deciding, I've told this story before with Lisa and I, I was either going to tithe or I was going to make my mortgage payment. You couldn't, I couldn't do both. And I had to make a decision. And I made a decision based on who God is. He's my provider. And so we did that, right? And so that was just a step of what we call a step of faith. And a step of faith is in step with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. For me, personally, and Lisa, that was a pivotal time in our faith, a pivotal time in our marriage. But the Holy Spirit was moving forward. <laughs> And we could have chosen to do it or not. Again, I'm not trying to shame you into your giving or anything like that. Faith is centering our lives in who God is. He's my provider. He's my healer. As Gary so eloquently told us this morning in our connection cards, fill out those connection cards and give us your prayer requests. And if you're watching online, there's an app. It's super easy. And who God is and what he says. No, not what he says. Sometimes what he says is, I know it's going to be expedient to lie to your boss right now. No, 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 don't do it. Ooh, and it's a step of faith to go. I didn't get those reports done, right? We're going to talk about some things that stop us from doing that. But I added another line to this. Even when it doesn't make sense. And I would, I would change this. I probably should have. I'd cross this out. Especially when it doesn't make sense. You're sticking in that relationship because God told you to stay in that relationship and that doesn't make sense. Maybe it's your marriage or whatever. Or vice versa, he's telling you to get out of that relationship and you're thinking, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. And the Lord is telling you, no, this is not good for you. It could be a friendship. It could be a place of work where you're just like, this place is toxic. And God's going, you get out, get out, get out. And you go, I can't. I, 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 how am I going to pay my bills? How am I gonna? Don't worry. I got you. I'm your provider. And so when it doesn't make any sense, that's faith. Now, if you are paying attention and you've been a Christian for a long time, we're going to get to a section of scripture by James, who's the half-brother of John, who died for his faith. The Bible doesn't give us a story, but a historian, Josephus, does. He basically was stoned to death, okay? Now, it's just every time I talk about James, I just have to remind you, he thought his brother was God. 
That to me is huge and is a big reason why I think Jesus was God. Because if you can convince your brother you're God, you're probably God, okay? And his brother died for that belief. And this is what James says. In the same way, faith by itself, like that's why sometimes faith for us just seems nebulous. Like what is it? If it is not accompanied by action, it's dead. Faith is going to be tested. You cannot trust what you do not test. You know what I'm saying? A faith that is not tested shouldn't be trusted. You ever meet that person who's never gone anything in their life and they're trying to tell you that God will provide and you're like, you privileged little, you just like, you haven't gone through anything. You're a trust fund kid. You're going to tell me about this, right? But then you meet someone else, they've gone through it, man. They have gone through the ringer and they come out and they say, God is good. He provided for me. He took care of me. I, I want to talk to, to Christians whose faith has been tested. I can trust that, right? So the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead, okay? I'll skip a verse because it basically calls us dummies, and I didn't want to do that to you this morning. You believe that there's one God. Good. Good for you. You have all the information you need. That's fantastic. Even the demons believe that. And they shudder. As a matter of fact, they're more scared of God than you are. <laughs> that I am, right? I'm talking to myself as well. Like, I, I believe in God, and I want to get in the Word and learn everything the Word has to say, and that's great, good. I get, know the Word. But if it's not backed up by what you do, it's dead. Okay? That's what James is saying. We'll skip another verse. Go to 21. Was not our father Abraham, we're going to talk about him in just a little bit, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. So, let's go back to the fruit of the Spirit. As we walk in step with the Spirit, and we do what he's asking us to do, or we don't do what he tells us not to do, the fruit of that is faith. And I look, I can look out here, and I know most of you watching online, uh, I know your stories. And you could, many of you, probably all of you could come up and stand here and tell me when your faith was tested and you did it right. And you go, next time, I'm good. I know what to do because God was faithful. I have faith because I serve a faithful God. And so he says it was working together uh, by what he did. Again, verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Now, um, I'll just share this real quick before we get into Hebrews Hebrews has this thing we call the hall of faith that is so encouraging to me. I hope you guys leave this morning very, very encouraged. Uh, but I, I, we hear different things. There's conversion stories, okay? We call them testimonies in the church. And I love hearing testimonies. Uh, and I, we, Gary just gave a great testimony about how God was faithful, the connection cards and people praying, and those are, those are great. I love them. But I'm odd, okay, as you have found out. 
I like deconstruction stories, de-salvation stories. When people, what we would call, left the faith. Not when they had a crisis of faith, but when they left the faith. Why did you, for what, you were walking in step with the Spirit, you were doing okay, but then you decided to leave. And so for some of you, maybe that was your kids. You raised your kids in the church, and you raised them the way you should have, and they just, at some point, they just turned and went, went the other way. I love those stories. I'm not scared of those stories. I don't go, oh my goodness, that person's horrible. I just like hearing those stories of why your faith why you lost your faith. And here's, here's what I find, a common theme for why people lose their faith. And it goes something like this, and maybe you've heard it, and maybe you've thought of it. I've thought of it, okay? How can there be a God when there's so much suffering? Right? Have you ever heard that? Have you ever thought of that? I thought of it just last week during the school shooting. Like, God, what's up with that? Right? Now, again, you can fire me and go, I want a pastor who never questions or doesn't. That's fine. I, I get it. I'd leave too. But that was just me. I was just like, where was God? What, what, what is God doing? And so I have a buddy who is actually a pastor. This question s- destroyed his whole faith. <laughs> that and some bad decisions he made. But uh, he like, was out because he couldn't reconcile this. Now, Here's what I just say to you. I'm not blaming you for having that. If, if, if that's you, and maybe you're just coming back to the Bible, but just coming back to Christianity, and you're just trying to figure that out. But I would say it's a little disingenuous, the question. Because really, the question should be, during the pain and suffering, how do you get through it? Because if I disregard God and say, well, that proves that God doesn't exist, I still have pain and suffering there, right? Because we're run, the planet's run by humans, which, spoiler alert, we're not that great, okay? So I want to go to the person experiencing the pain and suffering and ask them how they get through it. And you know what I almost always hear 100% of the time? Not always. Sometimes it's different things. Oh, God got me through it. My relationship with Jesus got me through it. My faith got me through it. So on one hand, I'll have people, friends of mine, who've lost their faith because of pain and suffering, okay? And I have other friends who strengthen their faith through pain and suffering, if that makes sense. So if, that, if that's you, if you're just like, hey, I don't understand, I don't know why God would allow that, you're in good company. I don't either. But I know this. You might not be able to believe in a God that allows pain and suffering I believe in a God that guarantees it and that guarantees that he will be with me through it. And that's why, not because I'm smarter or anything else, that's why it's going to be really, really almost impossible for me to lose my faith. You say, well, John, that's because you are a pastor and you get paid to have faith. Listen, I would love a toupee have my teeth whitened and, you know, riding a PJ. I don't, I'd love that, right? But you could take everything away from me and I won't lose my faith. Why? Because every time I've experienced pain, suffering, heartache, difficulty, trauma, my heavenly father was there for me and it's built my faith. Okay. Does that make sense? All right. Let's go look at some of the stuff we're promised by God to experience and how it might affect our faith. 
Here's the, I, I gave you my uh, definition of faith or my just practical translation of faith. Here's the Bible. If you have to memorize one of them, this is the one you should memorize. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. If you're reading NASB, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the, uh, and the confidence of things not yet seen. So, so faith, it's confidence in what we hope for. So it's not happened yet. And it's the assurance about what we don't see. And that's typically what we'd call faith, right? This is what the ancients were commended for. Now, he then goes into um, Enoch. Uh, he was taken up to heaven, he didn't die. He talks about Noah and all these different things, who, who built an ark. But if you know any of these stories, okay, like if you know the Noah story, everyone knows the ark story. You don't know that he got drunk and was naked in his tent. Maybe you do or you don't. Read your Bible, okay? It's in there, right? And so you begin to get this idea when he references Noah and he, and he references Enoch, and then you know the whole story. You're like, wait a second. You're using an example of a flawed person? Yes, because we're all flawed. And yet we navigate our flawed lives through what, who God is and what he says. He says, this is what they were commended for. And then so he goes on and talks about that. And then he makes this incredible statement. And this is why Jesus stops in his steps when it comes to faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And you think, Wow, that's kind of harsh. That's a high standard. Well, it actually makes sense. That, because if, if you don't need faith, if you know it's going to come, then it's not really faith. It's not really anything. You just, know, you know, I, when I turn on my lights in my house, I know my lights are going to, I don't have faith in electricity. I just know we have electricity. And when we don't, like we did in a few days ago, phone calls are made because that's the way it should work. He says, without faith, it's impossible to believe God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In other words, instead of through my pain and suffering or the pain and suffering of others, instead of just rejecting God and saying, well, that proves he doesn't exist, what if I earnestly sought him through my pain and suffering and trauma? You can look at it either way. If you say, well, no, why would God allow that? And let me just tell you something. Here's the argument, the way it typically goes, is that um, uh, why does God allow pain and suffering? Because he's given us what? Free, free will. Right, exactly. And then the, the question that you would say after that is, do you want him to just create robots? And to that, my answer is yes. I would like to be a robot that he made a really cool life for and I just have to live it out and everything that happens is happy for me. So yes, I would like to be a robot. The fact of the matter is, we're not. We have free will. And so he rewards those who seek him. And then he goes into Hebrews 11 and this is the hall of faith. And I don't, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, but I do want you to see, because what happens in the hall of faith is it goes through all these success stories. Uh, they shut the mouths of lions, and they got delivered from the flames, and women had their uh, sons raised from the dead, and it's just wonderful. And you think, well, I could have faith in a God like that. 
I could have faith in a God that provides all my needs the way I would like him to provide all my needs. I, I would love that. I really would. And so you could, you could stop around, oh, I don't know, I, I didn't look and see where that stops. Um, but it goes on. People pass through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. This is 1129. Uh, but when the Egyptians attempted, they were drowned. Wouldn't that be nice? You just Everything you want goes great for you, and then the people you don't like, they're gone, okay? I like that. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Wouldn't that be cool? Just march around seven times, done. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish. Great, she got out of there because she was faithful, right? And then she goes on. But what more should I say? I don't have the time to tell you about Gideon. That ended pretty well. Actually, the end of Gideon, they ended up worshiping an idol, so not really. But Gideon turned out okay. Barak, Samson, that was, it ended well, but he lost his eyesight, and there were some issues there. Jephthah, and of David, of Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, Obtained promises and shut the mouths of lions, quenching raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were, oh, wait a second, tortured. Hold on one second. What version is this? Ah, okay. I'll keep reading just in case. This is the hall of faith. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking, social media, flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. Hmm. They were stoned by rocks to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went around in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Now, listen to this. This is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Yet all of these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised. What? That's cold. Since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. So, it goes right after that. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, these, these people of faith, this hall of faith, here's what he says. And we're going to go over real quick three things you'll confront out of this verse. One is fear. Let us throw off everything that hinders. One of the things that hinders us in taking steps of faith, probably the number one, is fear. Fear of rejection. Fear that it won't go the way we want. Fear that uh, people are going to mock us. They're going to make fun of us. Fear of loss. We're going to lose our money, our time, our talents, our friends, our family to some extent. We're going to lose maybe our dignity. We're going to lose our power. 
We're in a place of power, and the Lord is saying, no, you're going to submit, and you're going to humble yourself. The Bible, every time it talks about humility, it says humble yourself. Don't pray for humility. Do it. And so, but that's fearful, right? So it says, let us throw those things off, anything that hinders, hinders and then sin, because we're a, we're a culture of comfort. We're a culture of co- consumption. And he says, don't worry about that. So fear is number one of things we will confront in our faith. The second thing is time. It's going to cost you time to keep in step with the Spirit. Again, either he's going too fast or he's going too slow. He's not on my time schedule. I drove out to Temecula yesterday. It took me an hour and 45 minutes to get to Temecula in a normal day. I would selfishly like COVID to be back on when I could drive down the freeway at the speed limit, but I couldn't do that. Time, 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 time. He says, let us run with perseverance. In other words, what does that mean right from the jump? It's going to be hard. You're going to want to quit. That's all it's saying. So you've got this hall of faith. Everybody's great. All these great things that are happening, but then it kind of doesn't happen real well. And that's going to be, you're going to want to quit at times. Keep in step with the spirit. The fruit of that is faith. Perseverance is a race marked out for us. This is really encouraging. Your walk of faith might not be my walk of faith. You might be asked things uh, of you that are not asked of me and vice versa. I have many people, when they hear my story about my son or whatever it is with his uh, challenges, they go, I couldn't get through that. Well, that's not the race marked out for you. I couldn't do what you do because the Holy Spirit isn't asking me. Time. It's going to cost time. Daily in the word, daily in prayer, this just plotting, the fruit of that is thing. And then the other thing you're going to uh, confront is culture. You're going to confront culture. This goes completely against our Western culture, all of what I'm saying this morning. This Western culture is about your rights. It's about individuality. It's about what do you get for you. It's about fairness. Now, I'm not talking about injustice. That's a different thing. That's all through the Bible, Okay. I'm talking about fair, what we call fair, what we deserve. We talk about, I'm giving that one star because I didn't get my way, right? That's our culture. This flies in the face of that. I was abused. Five stars. That's what this verse says, okay? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He is the model. What, what did he get? Why did he endure the cross? Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Your Savior, your Messiah, your Lord is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God going, you can do it. You can do it. You can keep in step with the Spirit. I know you're going through this trauma right now. I know what your family of origin was like. I saw the whole thing. You say, well, why didn't you do something? You can do this. I'm with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Faith is just stepping into, living into who God is and what he says. He says, consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition of sinners. Why? This is the promise of difficulty in your faith. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You may not be able to believe in a God that allows suffering. And I get it. It's hard for me too. 
But I believe in a God that promised it. Not to go seek it, not to go after it, not to make it hard on others to go, you'll be fine. But it's just the way life goes. And I have a heavenly father who loves me and will not allow me to endure anything that he is not strong enough to help me with. He'll allow me to go through lots of things that I can't handle. He will give you stuff you can't handle. But he'll never give you something that you can't handle with him as your strength. I want to just end with this as the worship band comes back up. And again, um, just, uh, just want to thank the worship team. Uh, Natalie found out just two days ago that she's going to be leading worship here. So thank you for doing that, Natalie. We really appreciate it. Here's what Jesus says. Remember, consider him who's endured such hostility of sinners against himself, right? So that you would not grow weary and lose heart. Here's what he says from his own lips. These things I've spoken to, me, to you so that in me you may have peace. Okay? And then he gives you this promise from Jesus. Right? Here's your promise. In this world you'll have trouble. This is going to happen. We're run by humans. Human's bad, God good. It's theology right there, right? This is what happens. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. And then he says this, but take courage. Why? How can I take courage? Like just muster up courage? No. Here's, this, here's the point. I've overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And because of his example, because I consider him who's endured such hostilities against himself, I know, man, Holy Spirit, you're telling me to take that step. I don't know if I can. And he says, I've overcome the world. What are you scared of? What are you worried about? I got you, but it's going to be hard. Oh, yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard, but consider me. I've overcome the world. What we're going to do is uh, we're going to end with one final song and uh, a, a few things that are... Um, uh, taking place at Living Spring. One is we are formally in a transition of worship leader. So uh, we will have, this morning we had Natalie, we might have someone different. The next, we're just kind of in that process. So all I would ask is your prayers and then just that your ability to adapt. You might have one person on keys one week and one person with a full band and one person on a thing. And uh, I, this is what I love I just don't worry about those things because I just trust Living Spring to have a mature outlook on it. But just be in prayer that we're in transition uh, for that. Uh, that was one thing. And then there was another thing that completely left my mind. Oh, yes. And then the other thing that we're going to be doing is we're going to begin to have a prayer team at the end of service. In other words, this time right now that would come forward and be at either side of the stage so that you can receive prayer during the service. That doesn't get you out of filling out your connection cards, okay? But that there would be people here, and you could come up. There'll be a male and a female, whichever you feel comfortable with, and you can go up and you can get prayer. And so in the light of that, as we take this last song, if you want to get up and just kneel at the stage, nobody cares. But if that's, like for me, sometimes I'll do it because I just like the posture of getting on my knees. It just, it this is just me talking. This isn't a theology thing. I just like the idea of just kind of becoming vulnerable, right? And just kind of saying to God, 
it's all yours, this thing I'm going through. So feel free to do that. And then in the future, in the coming weeks, we'll have people to pray for you as well. Does that make sense? So we'll, uh, let me pray for us. We'll finish with a song and then I'll come back up and bless us. Lord God, oh, we are thankful that you don't pull any punches. It's hard to have faith. It's hard to exercise faith. It's hard to do. We just want to learn. We want to be doctors that spend all the time in our books and not actually have to do surgery. But you call us to be healers. You call us to go out into the world, to be in it, in the midst of the mess and the trauma and the hardship. You want to build our faith so that we can be then light and salt and healing to those around us. We just thank you for that. In your name, amen. If you can, why don't you stand up for the blessing? And now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his strength, in his peace, and his joy in his presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.